let's let's bitching it up. I don't know why we're bitching things up this week. Yeah. Apparently we are. Hello, 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 everyone. I'm Pedro. And I'm Meredith. And this is Gritty Reboot, the grittiest goddamn show about movies there has ever been. The grittiest rebootness show ever. That's right. We're going to reboot this show soon to be even a grittier version of it. I'll sit on broken glass for you people. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited this week because we're talking about... I, I got surprised. And that doesn't happen a lot when I go back to watch one of the older movies. It kind of happened with Poseidon Adventure, where I kind of weirdly fell in love with this oh, old yeah. movie that I clowned on for years and made jokes about. Because I just, I caught, because I, I called, like, Poseidon Adventure was like an encore movie. Like, we stole came. <laughs> I'm sure my dad will listen to this and, like, clutches pearls as he drives. But... You know, it, we, I have a long history of pirating, and, and that was one bit of it. My, my dad always was able to get um, that, and so we had all the movie channels and stuff like that, and Encore just showed old movies, and that's how we got. I got to catch, like, the Poseidon Adventure in, like, five-minute chunks over, like, ten years of my lifetime of with that stolen cable. Hmm. And so th- that, that's sort of the way I always looked at it. And Walking Tall was another one of those movies that was on Encore, a bit that I'd seen a, a bit here and there, and I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And then my knowledge was basically from the other movie with The Rock, mm-hmm. because I was I'm, I'm a professional wrestling fan. I love The Rock. Yeah. So it was fun to go back and and, and find something interesting. Yeah, I it, it surprised me too. Yeah. It's a B movie, but it's a a really interesting one. It's well, it's it's got some chunk in it, some real chunk to it. So you want to? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I certainly agree that there there is a lot of story in it, and if, if you've only seen the 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 two thousand four remake, mm-hmm. you'd be really surprised about how much content is actually in the original movie. So in nineteen seventy three, we have a film directed by Phil Carlson, starring Logan Ramsay as John Witter, Felton Perry as Obra Eker, Leif Garrett as Mike Pusser, Don Lynn as Donna Pusser, Noah Beery Jr. as Carl Pusser. Laran Tuttle as Helen Pusser, Elizabeth Hartman as Pauline Pusser, and Joe Don Baker himself as Sherrod Buford Pusser, walking tall. I do love the classic trailer. But seriously, I was really impressed by this movie. Yeah. I, it, it kind of won me over with a little bit of charm because this is. It's a low-budget movie, so that means there's a bit of labor of love in it. And I always kind of like when you add that ingredient into a movie. You know, that sometimes makes for something a little special. And the movie is just a little special. Just a yeah. little. So. Why are you looking at me funny? You know, it's great when we talk about how we look at each other on an audio podcast. Yeah. I, know. I should turn the camera on. Hmm. Mm. Okay. I'd have to put on pants. Look at that leg. <laughs> this is all terrible audio. <laughs> Uh, they don't know, but I'm helicoptering right now. No. <laughs> I think I would be more shocked if you were. <laughs> like, why? I like how they like, why? Like, like a ponderous, why? Yeah. <laughs> like, to, d- down to my core, like, why would you do this now? What does it say? What does it mean? <laughs> So yeah, 
Let's talk about it's great. This is awesome. We're we're so we're so professional. Oh man, this is this is the best place to get all of your walking tall information and news and all of your <laughs> church's news as well. So that Van Halen as well. I'll let you know all about that. You know. Okay. So we start with the title sequence of a family driving down the road in a station wagon and camper. They pull up to a house where the the grandparents are. Yeah. Which Buford goes home. It's his parents. Yeah, and that's what it is. It's him returning from a war, right? Mm-hmm. That's a nice theme that sort of runs throughout this movie is him having a culture shock returning to his former, you know, former home. Mm-hmm. And how much it's changed over that time and how it's been corrupted. Yeah. So I, I think that's a, a nice theme in this movie is he comes in as sort of a pure family man looking to return to the purity of his youth. You know, to find what he finds. I I do like that there's actually kind of a theme running through this movie a little bit. And you get like an idyllic atmosphere from the beginning of this movie. You get this wholesomeness from it. Yeah, there's twinkly music. Everyone's frolicking and having a good time in the wilderness. No. What movie did you watch? Oh, is that not what we're watching? No, but there is like a serene view of like the farm and stuff that Mm -hmm. he returns to and everything like that. That is ideally framed. And I, I do like how that is done and everything like that. Like it sets up like how everything is beautiful. And then, you know, once we get to the town, we discover it's not the same. Well, he ends up selling the trailer to buy a house. Mm-hmm. So they buy a house. They invest in the city. Yeah. Where he come from. Yeah. And then our wholesome buddy, old good old pal, Ludie shows up. Yeah. And, and, and Ludie is a fun character. Mm-hmm. Like Ludie shows up almost like he walked out of a different movie. He's this fun, bombastic sort of guy. And he's, when I saw him, I was like, this guy's going to be maybe fun comedic relief throughout this movie. Mm-hmm. Little did I know, but, you know, they, they meet up, they agree to go out and have a good time, and they end up heading out to where? I think it's called the the, the Lucky Spot. The Lucky Spot. Yeah, the Lucky Spot. They go out to the Lucky Spot Club. So they head out to the Lucky Spot, right? Mm-hmm. And this is where the core of our movie begins. Yeah, we have a woman... A very attractive woman. A lady of the night, if you will. Mm-hmm. A scarlet woman. She's wearing a completely sheer black top showing like all nipple. Yeah. Which oddly enough, I was wearing at the time when I watched this movie as well. Yeah. I felt, I felt a kindred spirit between you us. You felt compelled. I did. I did. I was like, you know, tonight's the night for Mesh See-Through. Tonight is. Like to the same way today's the day for Daisy Dukes. <laughs> Alrighty then. Yeah. Buford is very attracted to her. Yes. And and why wouldn't he be? Like, he, he looks her up and down. You know, he, he takes a gander. He can barely keep his eyes off her when he's trying to light her cigarette. Yeah. It's like ridiculous. Yeah. He, I mean, he's, I mean, like, looking her up and down hard. Yeah. Which is fine. You can take a gander. That's what she meant for him to do wearing that, right? Yeah. <laughs> if you were, if we were, out, you know how to, I care. I don't give a shit if you look at another woman. Yeah. But like, even if we were out in public and you were like looking at a woman like that, yeah. I'd be like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> at least like hide it. Yeah. He's just like, yeah. like just staring daggers right at her. Buford's never seen such a sight in his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Buford discovers the crap stealers cheating. Yeah. He sees he's using loaded dice or loaded die. Yes. Either way. And he ends up going over there and he catches his hand. And exposing him to be a cheat. Mm -hmm. And this throws everything into fucking chaos completely. He demands to everything be made right. And then he's attacked by security. 
Yeah, there's an all-out brawl that happens. Yeah, and I mean, this is a brawl, too. Buford I mean, lays waste to a lot of them. Yeah, no, I mean, the, the movie sells that he is a big, old, tough guy. And he absolutely pulls that through in this fight. These are big, slobber-knocker kind of brawls. All of these fights are. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, to me, that, that I like the way most of them are done. The choreography is a little bit bare, but there's a real, like, people are hitting each other and throwing each other against real walls. It's stuff. raw. Yeah, so it has a really nice feel to it. I, I did enjoy this scene, but it doesn't go so well for Buford since there's so many of them. Yeah, they gang up on him, and they end up taking him, <coughs> I guess, down to a basement of some sort or a storeroom where they cut him up. They cut him up pretty good, too. Yeah, yeah, they do. And, I mean, the, the guy takes, like, real glee and, like, and like kind of cutting him. Yeah. I was kind of surprised by the grittiness of the scene from what, what, what had come before. That's one thing I have to say is this movie was gritty. Yeah, it, it could go real dark very quickly. It very much was like a drive-in sort of movie. But the reboot isn't so well, Oddly enough, yeah, the, the, the reboot is a very sanitized version of, of this story. Yeah. Which, I, I mean, that's not entirely uncommon. We, you know, we'll talk a little bit about that. You know, the Assault from Precinct 13 remake, I think, has the exact same problem. Mm-hmm. It's a way less interesting or gritty movie, but that, that's another another discussion for another time. But that, that sort of reminded me of this movie right here is like how, how gritty it can be. So mm-hmm. they leave him for dead, do they not? Yeah. As you always should after cutting a guy up. Actually, they probably just should have fucking killed him. That would have worked out way better for them. Yeah. That was a dumb, dumb idea to leave the big, giant, strong guy who hates you alive. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they throw him out there, and he ends up, like, slowly crawling his way to the street. I love that. Like, Yeah. Like, his will to live will not be extinguished. He needs to get the money for his car and bet. (laughs) Yeah, he he crawls onto the the side of the road because he's left for dead. Yeah, absolutely. And several people see him and just pass him by. And then finally, a truck driver stops. Yeah, because he's some weirdo covered in blood. So I, I listen. I'm not hating on the people who passed by and didn't stop. Yeah, like to me, that makes all the sense in the world that you wouldn't stop. That's like effing crazy. Like if I saw some giant guy covered in blood, like nope, see you later, buddy. Yeah, like I, I don't want to be involved with some giant chainsaw wielding guy coming in right after him. You know what can happen. You've seen it. And one of the things I love about this movie is they patch him up at home. Which is something that you would have done back in that time. Yeah, yeah. At that point, you could still have a doctor come to your house to, you know, to aid you if you were really sick. Because you necessarily shouldn't travel to the hospital. Now it makes all the sense in the world. But because even like when I was a kid in the '90s in our small town, yeah, my dad made house calls. Yeah, and people would come to our house. Like it's that still was an an okay to do with thing as a doctor yeah that's like not heard of today yeah yeah it's just, it's just and, and when you really think about it, it it makes a lot of sense you know it really does for that something like that to be done so to me it's interesting but well they patch him up at home and everybody realizes they don't have their station wagon so their station wagon's missing and the sheriff has kind of got like this blase attitude about everything yeah, he really could give a shit about it he was like you know well you know sometimes things happen you know, he, he's not very convinced of his story. Yeah, he turns a blind eye to everything. So what, what are the excuses that he ends up using against him? Does he talk about, like, he has no witnesses to back up his story? Yeah, there's lack, total lack of evidence. Yeah, total lack of evidence. And all the other guys tell another version of it. And, you know, his car could have been stolen by some other means or he could have misplaced it because he was drinking because he accused him of being drunk, right? Mm-hmm. So he gives him all these sort of excuses in the world. And then, of course, we get the line of the title. 
Mm-hmm. He walks away. Doesn't anybody walk tall anymore? Yeah. Because the sheriff, of course, is a yellow-bellied coward. Traitor. Yeah. He has betrayed his oath to the law. Now we are really kicked into high gear. He has, is on a mission now for justice any way that he can get it. Yeah, he's all about justice. Yeah, he's going to take back what is his. I love that. It's so pure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was wrong. Nobody will do anything about it. So, I mean, he looks at it as like, that's his like duty, you know? Yeah, without fail. Yeah. All right. So he's, he kind of, we fast forward a little bit to where he's a little bit more healed and he's working at the logging mill and an old friend shows up looking for a job and it's Obra. Mm -hmm. And this is also where Buford fashions a stick, his big stick. So yeah, we have the origin of, of his stick here, which I I do like, I guess. Mm -hmm. It's not as epic as like, um. I'm trying to think. What what other movies do we get? Like a, I was thinking of like The Natural with the Bat, or something like that. It's not quite as epic as anything like that, but I, I do enjoy that he has like this moment where he's like, "Yes, this is the way I'll distribute my brand of justice." Yeah, with a big old two by four, basically. Yeah, yeah, big old piece of wood. It works really well. So. Yeah, because in the remake, they they make it try to look like a little bit more like a baseball bat. Yeah, a little bit more like something he could swing. He puts like a handle on it. Yeah, he wraps the handle. I enjoy that like Joe Don's giant mitt can just grab a two by four and use it like a weapon. Like, yeah. Like Mike Hagar in Final in Final Fight. Like, that's what I enjoy. What's that wrestler that used it to? Taxol? Taxol, Jim Duggan. Yeah, Taxol. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. He reminds me of that. Yeah. Except not as hillbilly. Not a seal belly. I, 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 Any time I get a chance to make the hacksaw noise, I'm happy. So I appreciate you doing that. You're welcome. I'm glad I could cue you up. Hey, listen, that. I love some hacksaw Jim Duggan. He was a weird, weird wrestler that he didn't, was. that everybody loves, loves. I can't tell you what great match he was ever involved in. <laughs> but I love that sort of I'd give him a kidney if I ever saw him. Even if he didn't need it, I was like, here, take this kidney. I found it on the street. Very well. All right. Let's move on. Sorry, I was having fun. My mistake. Wrong show for fun. <laughs> All right, so McCready ends up walking into the bunker. Oh, no. wrong movie, wrong movie. Wrong movie. Okay, okay. All right, but we're back to our friend Buford. Buford. Buford Pusser. Buford Pusser. 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 He fashions a stick and heads to the club for revenge, where he makes light work of everyone. But what's fun about this scene is the hot chicks looking on at him. The whole time. Doesn't say a word. Yeah, she has a chance to, him. like, warn, like, her guards. Or not her guards. <laughs> it doesn't sound like they're in a, she's a princess or something. But no, the guards of the, of the lucky spot. And she doesn't say shit. And he's able to get the, the drop on them. Which he just, he uses it like me in a stealth game. Which is to take out, like, one guy. And then just start throwing punches like there's no tomorrow. Right? Yeah. Like, that's, he plays a stealth game like I do. And that's basically what he does. But it's enough of a drop for him to basically kick the shit out of everybody there. He takes the money that he's owed and makes him sign over the money. Yeah, and that's all that he wants. And I, and I want that to be stated. Like, he goes up there and he just wants what the bet was for that was crooked mm-hmm. and the, the value of his car. Yeah. And that's it. And he doesn't hurt. He doesn't want to hurt anybody else who's not going to attack him or who wasn't responsible for his attack. And, and that's it. He leaves peacefully after that. And then he quickly is arrested the next day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he possibly faces up to 30 years. Yeah, because what he did is armed robbery. armed robbery. Yeah, he took a big giant stick, beat the shit out of people, and took their money. The judge kind of convinces him to pay restitution, and he'll kind of let him go free, you know? Yeah. He has to pay a little restitution. 
But Buford's like, no, I'm going to trial. Yeah, Buford's like, no, I, I know I'm an innocent man. I can prove that I am. Yeah, he doesn't want to pay for shit. Yeah, and the judge kind of laughs it off, so. Mm-hmm. He's like, all right, buddy, it's your funeral. And then he gets some bad news. His dad tells him that they fished Ludie in his car out of the river. Yeah, so this was really surprising as I watched this movie because I, yeah. I thought to myself, like, when's Ludie going to pop back up? Like, has he been captured by those guys or whatever? And then they're like, oh, he's in there. I was like, oh, they fucking killed Ludie? Jesus Christ. Well, I think because we saw the 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 remake where Johnny Knoxville, would, which would be the Ludie character. Yeah, his... his he's the, there closet, yeah. the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, but so. he doesn't get. But Ludi does get fucked up in that fight. He takes like a kick to the face, yeah. and they show his face all bloody. Which I never interpreted him for being dead until that moment. Like I was waiting for him to like show back up, and like I thought he's going to be at the trial and be like, you know, oh, he's he screwed me over or something like that, or like he's the one that started it and, and screw his friend over because fear of his life. I don't know. I expected something. I didn't expect him to be dead. That was yeah. kind of dark. Joe Don Baker. He he's such a great actor here. Yeah, he's really good in this part. And really good. This movie is elevated by him. Buford is a great character. He absolutely like, is, yeah. To know that he was a real person yeah. is like crazy. Now, I know that they beefed him up a little bit. Clearly, yeah. You know, they you add to the myth him. and stuff like that. You know, same thing with like... But still... It's not like, you know, with Rudy and stuff like that where they sort of, you know, made that up as they went along. But Joe Don Baker is... He's a good fit for this role. Yeah. He's tall and imposing like a wrestler would be. Yeah, but he looks real world tough, which I think is interesting, you know. Like, he's the kind of guy, like, you know, who's, like, slow to anger in the back of the bar, mm -hmm. you know, when someone's, like, talking shit about, like, you know, his favorite team or, you know, saying something fucked up, you know, just slowly balling a fist. That's who Joe Don Baker looks and feels like. Mm -hmm. Like, he doesn't want to be this way, but he's got no other choice. And that's a tough, like, Steven Seagal can never make that turn. Steven Seagal can't convey anything. Mm -hmm. You know, and Joe Don Baker does it really effortlessly. That's a, a weird thing, but, you know, an action star has to do, and he does it well. And he basically represents himself in the trial. Yeah. He's he's like, fuck all you guys. I can represent myself and get myself off. I know that the jury's going to understand my view, and they do. Yeah, and he talks to him like a regular person. He shows him the scars that he has on his stomach for what he's tried to stand up for. Yeah, and everyone's horrified by, by what they did to him and what wasn't investigated. And it's able to have him sway the, the entire jury. Yeah, because he's found not guilty. Yeah, he's able to uh, escape what was a pretty clear and evident crime. But he's able to get out of there, and then he dedicates himself to becoming the new sheriff for the town. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's running for sheriff. He wants to kick that guy's ass. And there, you know what? If you came from the remake like I did, like you would just assume, bam, we're going to be there because that's kind of what happens there. Mm -hmm. But like, we there's a long bit of election storyline, right? Yeah, because you still have he goes home and he has to face Pauline, and Pauline's like, "Nah, I don't want you to." I don't want you to be the sheriff. You sh you should, you, you said we, we would be together and we would be a family. And now you're running off to be the sheriff and you're getting yourself hurt. I'm just, I'm upset and I don't want you to do it. You're never going to make it. Yeah. You're going to fail. She basically is Kristen Wiig mm -hmm. from Walk Hard, which is appropriate title wise. That's basically like his wife's entire character on him running for sheriff. She hates everything he wants to do about this endeavor. She's so naggy. Yeah, she nags the living fuck out of him. Yeah, he tries to convince her it's the right thing to do, but she's still like, no. So they're running, you know, they're running their race. And, you know, there is stories. I mean, there is scenes about them having an election. And then there's, 
the scene where they get to the club, right? Yeah, they go to uh, really Ray's bar. Ray's bar, pardon me. And it's a, the local black bar. Yeah, and he's Buford is putting up his posters. Buford's putting up his election posters mm-hmm. inside the club. And as he's doing that, or as he's finishing up, the sheriff comes in and starts ripping down his stuff. And puts up his posters. Yeah, puts up his posters instead. And then starts threatening him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of movie, a lot of the movie takes place in this location, weirdly enough. But they get into an altercation. Yeah, and then the sheriff leaves, and then they take the altercation onto the road. Yeah, it it, it goes into a long, long chase. Like they go and they. Instead of what should have been like a couple of threats thrown at each other, they take it to the roads and the sheriff basically kills himself. Yeah. <laughs> he's Buford gets out of his car. He races to the end of the bridge and then he stops his car, gets out and starts running towards the sheriff. And the sheriff starts his car and starts running towards him. But Buford realizes, oh shit, he's going to hit him and he's going to kill his fucking ass. So he jumps behind the bridge, a part of the bridge that's going to protect him. And the, the sheriff just runs off the fucking yeah, bridge. Yeah. And for some reason, there's an explosion. I guess the, I guess, uh, yeah, the like sheriff the, the, the bursts into flames. Before the vehicle hits, the vehicle explodes. Yeah. Little did we know, that's why he went off. He was beginning to spontaneously combust at that moment. Yeah. So the sheriff explodes like the human torch inside that thing. And Buford saves the other guy. Yeah, he saves the deputy. But he couldn't save the sheriff, even though he tries. He yeah, does he, try. he does try. He does, the movie clearly shows you that he attempted to save his life. I'm sure Buford was probably insistent on that. Well, Buford wins the election. Yeah, well, because Buford has no competition. And there's even a scene about them trying to run a dead man, which is foolish. Yeah. So, and they're like, we'll put somebody else in later. So Buford ends up picking up the win. And he immediately gets down to start cracking some skulls. Yeah, he, he actually finds out that there's like eight bodies of black people who are, have drunk bad moonshine. Yeah, yeah. They're basically poisoned. Mm-hmm. And he's he's a little upset by it. Yeah, yeah, he a- absolutely is. And, you know, this is, the movie sort of mentions it's a case that might not get a lot of attention. Yeah, because it's in a small town and yeah. they have limited resources. But it's something Buford is, is insistent upon. And this is what actually got this, the real Buford notice in the media. Mm-hmm. The rest is his insistence on trying to solve this case. Yeah. And obviously everything that came from it. He debitizes Obra. Yeah. Which is a pretty cool scene. Mm-hmm. And I think Obra's a real fun character as well. Yeah. This movie, this movie has a few of those kind of like fun little He's characters. He's a good sidekick. Yeah. Yeah. I, I enjoy his work and I, I, especially the scene later on where he has to make the arrest. But yeah, I do like when he gets deputized. It's, it's, it's a good little moment. It's much better than what we get in the other one as well. Yeah. Well, they end up finding the bad batch of booze. And they arrest a bunch of people. And when they get to the judge, the judge orders them to release them. Yeah, because Buford doesn't follow any fucking laws no, at all. He's he just informed them of their rights. He's just kicking doors down, <laughs> kicking them in the nuts, and then just like fucking waterboarding them. <laughs> he's like, you piece of shit, you're going to jail forever. Yeah. He's like, oh, what are, you, are there procedures? So they, he informs them of that. So he is no longer allowed uh, to do that. He has to let those guys go as they're all smug and laughing, walking away. Yeah. <laughs> and then we get the casino owner, Callie. Callie. She sends some racist goons after Obra when he shows up and at Willie May's bar. And he's trying to make sure that no bad booze is sold at the bar. Yeah, yeah. So he's, he's making his presence known, making sure everybody's staying safe. Yeah. It's Arno that shows up. He's that racist guy. And he's, yeah. He's and, making trouble. Yeah. And, and this scene is a pretty nice escalation because it plays nicely into, into racial tension. 
Yeah. Because they know they shouldn't be there. But at that time, a white person go anywhere he wanted, mm-hmm. even if he knows he doesn't really belong there. Mm-hmm. You know, that's uh, not where he should be. So he goes in there and acts like he owns the place and, and dares the sheriff to do something. And so Obra doubts himself, which is fair. You know, he, can he, does he really have the authority to arrest a white man? Like, that's a valid concern and critique yeah. at that moment in time. He calls for backup, and the sheriff, you know, a Pusser tells him, get back in there, man. It's your job. And he goes in to arrest him, and, and it, starts a, it starts a brawl. Yeah. It, uh, it, it does. It, 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 starts a, it starts a fight inside that club. Yeah, it's crazy. It, they, they, they have a big old brawl, and Arno gets, and his buddies get chased away. Yeah, yeah. They, get, they end up getting run out of there. Yeah, and Buford arrests Arno. Yeah, he ends up picking him up. And I do like that. He ends up going back to the station and everything like that. And Arno has to swallow his pride, mm-hmm. which is a scene I like. He gets a conscience and he gives Ober $20 and apologizes. Yeah. A little bit more sober. He can look at it in the daytime and like, I was out of line. Even for an asshole, I was out of line. Buford's next target is the judge. Yeah. Who's been a thorn inside the whole movie. Yeah. Due to his need to enforce laws and the Constitution. The judge is talking about laws and you don't know the law or you're too stupid to do this. Well, Buford's like basically takes the law book off his desk and is like, you know, I'm going to read this fucking book. This reminds, I'm going to show you. This reminds me fucking of, asshole. of like Dodgeball, Ben Stiller's character just like grabbing and reading the dictionary. He's just like, you know what? I have no knowledge of the law, but I'm going to read every word of this book and be a fucking expert the next goddamn time you see me, you piece of shit. <laughs> and that's basically like, like what happens. He just goes and he reads this law book. Mm-hmm. And he now is able to play mind games with the judge. He gains a new ability. He levels up. He uses his brain to defeat his, his character. That's right. That's right. He did not see that coming. The judge underestimated Puzzer, as many people do. He is... Eventually shot by someone he pulled over. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe he, he survived a fucking shot. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing. You just can't kill this motherfucker. No. That's, that's basically the lesson of this movie is he's basically the unkillable son of a bitch. He recovers from that, but he's almost mad, full of rage. Buford decides to strike as a team this time. Yeah, so they start trying to come up with like a better plan of attack, basically, like a coordinated, yeah. a coordinated way to catch everybody by surprise. He finds out which deputy sold him down the river and strips him of his badge after threatening to blow, blow him up, basically. <laughs> he threatens this guy and he's like, I'm going to fucking blow you up. Well, yeah, and then we get that scene, of course, where they deploy the strike and it leads to nothing, right? Yeah. They're, they're, you know, they're like, oh, we're just a fancy social club. And so that's why he has to track down that guy. Yeah, and meanwhile, we have Callie, who also powwows with her goon squad. Her goon squad. Yeah. Is that what you called them in there, the goon squad? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, they're all goons. Bunch of goons. <laughs> One thing I'd have to ask you. Yeah. Since we're about almost halfway through this movie. Sure. A little bit more. Yeah. Is this movie a Western? A little bit. Yeah, a little bit is like a sheriff bringing law to a law. Yeah, it's so much like a Western, yeah, like a like, modern Western. Yeah, like it's run by like the coal mining company or the railroad mm-hmm. company and they do whatever they want and it's a sheriff saying no i'll stand up for the little guy little guy and that's what he's doing mm-hmm. so he's protecting a town yeah he's cutting the cancer of this guy out of that whole town yeah after that we get a scene where callie is callie has her goon squad and they're like lashing this poor naked girl on this bed yeah yeah 
And once again, we talk about the grittiness. All of a sudden, I'm just watching this movie, and then like, bam, yeah. here they are whipping the fuck out of this butt butt ass naked girl. I'm like, holy shit! And it's like bloody on her back. Yeah, exactly. yeah, like they're beating the fuck out of her. They really are. Like it's pretty graphic for what this movie is. And Buford saves that poor girl. Yeah, he kicks in the door, and he uh, puts a blanket over her. Yeah, shames them. Yeah. <laughs> And I like this scene a lot. Once again, we already know Buford is a good guy, but it, it's another reinforcement of that. Then we have an, a term that I've never heard before. White slavery. White slavery. What is white slavery? It's the worst kind of slavery. <laughs> this time, it's coming for the whites. Yeah, so that was the charge against them. That's as they were gonna, the charges. Yeah, yeah. they were going to sell her into white slavery. Force her to do things for other people. My God. So <laughs> they uh, they get some serious shit about this because they've been caught red fucking handed. Mm-hmm. So and once again, this is a cool little scene that I like. Gritty as fuck, and I didn't expect it. Like I said, this is like a, a western and a crime movie. Yeah, it's it's really it's really good stuff. Next we have Luanne. Luanne. Is it? Is it, maybe it's Luanne. Luanne. I think it's Luanne. Luanne. It's not Luanne. Luanne. Yeah, it's Luanne. Luanne. He gives Luanne some money and they kiss in a kind of innocent way. Yeah. More like a respectful kiss, like yeah, yeah. I like you, but there's nothing I'm gonna do about this. Yeah, a respectful kiss. You know those respectful kisses yeah. you give your boss sometimes. You're like, hey, good job. You. <laughs> <laughs> it's a kiss, nonetheless. It's a kiss. <laughs> she just gave me a horrible image. <laughs> well, I did like the way you, it's a respectful kiss. Like it's just a normal thing you do. It's a little weird. It's a little weird. Well, anyways, it's a little weird. You're a little weird. <laughs> hey, I'm not the one who giving respect kisses to anybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Buford heads to Callie's club yeah, and she's was. waiting for him with a shotgun. Yeah. So, and she has like the most so poorly concealed. Yeah. She, I love it. She, she's like, she's like, all right, I'm going to get shit faced and I'm going to kill this sack of shit. <laughs> <laughs> so she gets, she like, <laughs> she's fucking drinking everything in sight. The booze, the beard, shoe polish. I mean, anything she can get her hand on, she's fucking drinking. And like, She's all dressed to the nines, and she just covers like a fucking shotgun in like a blanket. A big old shotgun. She's being all kinds of shady. So either she's got like like an 18-inch strap on under the dress that she's trying to hide, or she has a goddamn fucking shotgun under there. I don't know like what the fuck she's trying to pull there. So she walks in, somehow misses the biggest motherfucker in the room. Yeah, she shoots and, and almost hits Buford in the head, but misses. Yeah. And then he gets two shots off at her and kills her instantly. Yeah, like he gets like a headshot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, dude, like, oh shit. <laughs> like I thought like, well, they'll give her a respectful death. Like, nope. <laughs> yeah. It's like a headshot. He, he kills the shit out of her. And then we pivot in the movie. We pivot. We pivot to a very nice, serene scene on the, in a, a park by the lake There's of the family. John Tesh comes by and plays love melodies. The kids are playing in a boat and they're fishing. It's a happy time. And Buford and Pauline are are just like laying on a blanket, having like a little picnic. As 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 you do. Yeah. So it's 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 a serene moment. There's a moment of peace in between all of the massive amounts of violence that we've seen in this movie. And I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. It's unsettling. Yeah, Some, it's weird. Something's something's amiss. And we start building to Pauline, who decides to go on call with her husband because he gets a call and it's a simple burglary call. So he's like, yeah, honey, sure. Come with me on my on my my job where I'm getting shot at. 
on a constant basis and attacked. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like a good idea. Like it immediately like tips its hand. Yeah. <laughs> like like it couldn't be more like like unless she's just like I love being alive. It's one of my favorite things about life is being alive. Like unless she had that conversation with Buford, it couldn't be more obvious. They're driving down the road and one of Callie's goons rolls up on Buford. Yeah. We have another car chase, car fight. And then Pauline gets shot in the head. Yeah, Pauline. Several times. Yeah, Pauline. Yeah, Pauline is shot repeatedly. And Buford just has to pull over. As well as the dog. Yeah, yeah. They kill the dog. Yeah. They kill the dog. What kind of movie kills? These guys are bastards. So, yeah. And also, a human died too. Sure. And they, he pulls over and he cradles her like, no. Yeah. And uh, they get like one last shot on him. But it's not enough to kill him. No. No. They don't kill him. They kill his wife. Surely that's going to go well. Well, he calls for help, and he, he gets carried off in a stretcher while Ober pulls a blanket or puts a blanket over his wife's head. Yeah, he has a real soft and like quiet, slow moment mm-hmm. where he sort of takes the time to kind of mourn her and then cover her. You know, yeah. he just needs a moment. Like it's it's a lot of violence, and I, I'm glad the movie had the presence of mind to take just one little moment to just stop and reflect that somebody who mattered is dead in the narrative, at least. So Buford's back in the hospital because he's been shot again. And man, if this is real life, like, Buford's like 50 cent. Yeah, I mean, like, you cannot kill this guy. It is amazing the level of punishment that he's able to do yeah. and to withstand. Wild, right? It's a crazy story. Well, he's in the hospital and you see all the men there and they all stop and it gets really quiet. And all you see is Buford's son coming through the crowd with tears down his face. And a shotgun. Yeah, walking there. He's like, they got my ma. They won't get my pa. Yeah. They snakes won't crawl in the night and kill my pa, too. It's it's such a moment. And, like, it's it's so affecting. <laughs> like, the second, because what did I say at that moment? I said, this is when the men cried. Yeah. Because that, that's the total, because even you can see, like, Obra's, like, with a quivery lip as this kid walks by. It's a great little moment. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. I, I did <laughs> I didn't know the movie was going to hit like that. It's weight class, but it kind of does things like that. It's real interesting in that in that in that way, and it, it's something that, I mean, clearly there's no moment like that to talk about in the other movies. So I think that's really interesting as well. It's heart wrenching. Yeah, this movie attempts to have a heart. Yeah, it really does. It's not just trying to run through its narrative as fast as possible. It has real character and it has real life. Yeah, everybody really cared about the role. Then you have the funeral. Where Buford shows up in a face cast, and it's reminiscent of Hannibal Lecter's face mask. Yeah, he has like the bottom half of his face yeah. encased in um, this, this cast. It looks a little goofy, but it's kind of whatever. The whole town is at this funeral. Like, literally everybody in the town is walking down the streets as they go to bury his wife. Mm-hmm. And this is where Buford's like, all right, fucking stole my wife, the love of my life. I'm taking out my revenge. Yeah, so he gets in a car, and he drives his ass over to the spot, mm-hmm. and he just, like, drives right into there and kills, like, two people right off the bat, right? He drives his, rams his cruiser right into the Lucky Spot Club, and then... Because he kills the one guy who was at the door, mm-hmm. and then, like, he pins the other guy who dies, basically, mm-hmm. against the wall, which is really metal if you think about it. And then he gets out of there after he kills who he's meant to kill, who yeah. he wanted to kill. 
He goes out of there and he just falls because he's exhausted. Yeah. I mean, he's still His body's fucking injured. destroyed. Yeah. He can barely move, but he can still kill if he needs to. <laughs> then all of a sudden, a bunch of town folk show up and they start pulling things out of the club. This is the best way to solve your problems. Mob justice. Yeah. They run into the building like a wild pack of animals and start bringing all the stuff from the gambling games, the tables and the roulette and the craps. And they just start throwing all that stuff out there and like destroying it. Yeah. They set fire to it. Yeah. And you just see Buford being driven okay. off back to the hospital. Yeah. He's going to go slowly die from his injuries. Yeah. And that's the end of the That's movie. the end of, of walking tall. I thought it was a supremely entertaining movie. I mean, it has some slow moments, don't get me wrong, but the movie has a ton of charm, fun performances, and a raw feel that I really enjoy of movies from this era. I'm sad it took me this long to ever watch this, and I think I didn't watch it just because I thought the movie we're going to cover next was fairly mediocre. Yeah. And this was anything above mediocre. This movie has a lot of life and character and honestly could use another better reboot. Mm -hmm. I liked it a lot. I'd, I'd give this like an eight. Yeah, it was very enjoyable. Yeah, because it surprised me so much. I really enjoyed it. This is maybe one of my favorite cheesy action movies ever. Yeah, you enjoyed it a little bit more than I did, so I would probably give it a seven. Uh, I thought the movie was And that's a still a really slow. good score. That's still yeah, a really good score. Yeah, no, I really appreciated this movie. I, I just really gave did. up. We're going to give numerical scores. Listen, it's fine, but that conveys kind of how much you really like the movie. And I, I, this is still a recommend from both of us. We, mm -hmm. If you enjoy... Like any kind of 70s action kind of movies, really action films in general, I think you're going to have a lot to do, especially if you like crime thrillers. You want a good westerns. story. Yeah, I think you, you'll enjoy this. If you like any movie where like, you know, one man's bringing law, you know, to, to the land, then this is for you. If you like those sheriff kind of westerns, him against all the bandits, you'll, you'll dig the hell out of this flick. Yeah. You really will. All right. Here's some trivia. Give it to me. Lay it on me. Real life Buford Pusser wanted Bo Svensson to play him. However, Svensson was unavailable. And Joe Don Baker was cast. Elected officials at McNary County, Tennessee, were so embarrassed by the national attention brought to the corrupt county that they refused to allow the movie to be shot there. So it was shot in neighboring Chester County. The short-sighted officials didn't realize how much money it would bring to McNary, one of the poorest counties in the state. When the remake was announced, McNary courted them heavily, but they ultimately chose to shoot in Vancouver, because it's British Columbia. Yeah. yeah. You get tax incentives there. That's why so many movies look like they're shot in Vancouver. Or now Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. You can make Georgia look like anything now. Yeah. yeah. New, New Mexico, too. New Mexico's getting into the game. Yeah. Well, they've been in it for a while, but I've told you that before, like Spider-Man, where they go to uh, Europe, like they shot almost all that in Georgia. Yeah. They didn't even go there. Wakanda's just Georgia. <laughs> pussy. 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 Hey, you pussy. <laughs> Pusser. 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 Never carried a wooden post, according to his daughter, Duana. No. Duana Pusser. Duana. He didn't really carry one in real life. He didn't. Mm -mm. You have just shattered the illusion. This reminds me, and I talk about this a lot. I listen, one of my favorite radio shows, and I still listen every now and then, uh, the Dan Patrick show. They had Joe Montana come on, and he was talking about, you know, movies lie and stuff like that. And they were probably like, what do you mean? And I didn't realize it, but Joe Montana was the quarterback during the Rudy movie. You know that movie with mm -hmm. the guy? Like, he's the quarterback of Notre Dame at the time. And he was basically like, that entire movie is bullshit. Rudy was like a joke on the team. Nobody was rooting for him. He was just the little guy that wouldn't leave you alone. Like, he was almost on the team, like, as a gag. Like, they carried him off the field as, like, as a joke. 
Yeah. Like it wasn't like this great grand gesture. He just sold himself up for years and years and years because of that one thing. And nobody ever questioned it. But I, I always never forget it. Cause like Joe Montana, I was like, you salty son of a bitch. You had to go in there and ruin the movie Rudy for me yeah. for the rest of my life. You piece of shit. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do? I guess one day I'll, I'll go out there and hit Joe Montana in the knee. You can write him a letter. I'll write him an angry letter. Buford Pusser's house was turned into a museum after his death. The car that he died in, a red 1975-74 Corvette, is on display there. Interesting. Do you, oh. want, do you want to know Joe Montana story? Sure. Do you know that Joe Montana, before he had his game-winning drive in one of his Super Bowls, everybody was nervous, and he came into the huddle. He's like, guys, dude, look over there. It's John Candy. And they look over, and there's just John Candy eating a hot dog enjoying like, the Super Bowl. He's like, all right, guys, calls the play with a smile on his face like it's no big deal. They all settled down around the play. Very. I got more of that come from. Very good. Yeah. More John, Joe Montana. No, John Montana. Do you want a Joe Montana story? <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a Joe Montana story, too. Obra Eager is loosely based on the Dave Lipford, the first black sheriff in Tennessee. So, there's yeah. that. Yeah. Do you want a bit of morbid news? Yes. All right. Two actresses associated with this film went on to commit suicide. Oh, shit. <laughs> that is morbid news. <laughs> Elizabeth Hartman jumped from the fifth story of her Pittsburgh apartment complex in June 1987. She's the one who plays Pauline, the wife. This and every then, time she bounced? Oh, no. <laughs> wow. You get me for having morbid curiosities. I, I wanted to get that look out of you like, you monster. That's the one. That's the look right there. Brenda Bennett, who plays Luann. Took her life in April of 1982. Mm. She had been married to Bill Bixby. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. It's okay. And that is all the trivia I have. Do, do you want a Do you want a Joe Montana story? Do you, <laughs> no. You don't. No. No more Joe Montoya. No more Joe Montana. No more John Montana. John Montana. <laughs> John Montana. I think I think I bought insurance from him once. John Montana. Good guy. Good guy. Trust that guy. Uh, are, you, are you ready to move on to the reboot? Uh, yeah. So in the year 2005, John C. Riley stars in Walk Hard. Oh, wait. No. Wrong. Yeah. Wrong. Wrong movie. Wrong. Oh, we could do that movie. I forget. Yeah. That's a reboot. What's the reboot of? I guess it's not a reboot. Well, well, we were going we, we to do, we do a parody like month where we talked about movies that are like sort of direct parodies. We could do Top Gun and Hot Shots. Yeah, because it is kind of a reboot if you think about it. It's no, just it's, done it's, a different It's a parody. It's a, like we could do Star Wars and Spaceballs. Okay. Like that's a direct parody of that. I mean, yes, there's other things in there, but that's what it basically is. Okay. So that was always the plan. Not that we need to discuss that right here on the show. No, we don't. Nobody cares. We, we could talk about literally any other time, but right now, when we're trying to be delivering quality entertainment about 2004's and The Rock in Walking Tall. Starring the fucking rock. So at this point, he was still just the rock. Yeah, no, no Dwayne Johnson, no DJ, just the rock. That was my favorite thing. What was that show that we watched? Yeah, that like gladiator show. Yeah, it was, was, it was like a, his knockoff of like American Ninja Warrior. He's like, Titan call me Games, DJ. The Titan Games. Everybody's like, DJ, DJ, DJ. Everybody knows our host, DJ. Like, DJ, call him the fucking rock. That's who he is. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I missed the uh, the starring bit. We have Ashley Scott, Neil McDonough, Johnny Knoxville, and of course, 
DJ Dwayne Johnson in this movie as Buford Puzzle. I'm sorry, Chris Vaughn in this yeah, version. Yeah, they changed it up. They changed the name. That's why he's the only character name I wanted to mention. I, 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 everybody else has names too, but it doesn't really matter because everyone's a paper thin cardboard cutout. Mm-hmm. This thing is like what, 85 minutes? Yeah, it's not long. It at is all. a quick, quick story. Quick romp. Quick romp. You know what? I love romps that are fast. So we have the start of this movie where Chris Vaughn is on a ferry boat to where he's from, which is a small town, small lumber town. He shows up and he sees the sheriff and the sheriff comes up and says, holy shit, it's Chris Vaughn. Welcome back to the town, buddy. Yeah, everyone sort of knows who Chris is. He's like a local hero, local legend, big guy. And and the, the original movie sort of had that feel for Buford as well. He's like a war hero. Yeah, so uh, he's sort of respected and revered. Mm-hmm. And so he's he gives wants to give him a ride home, but you know, Chris, I don't want to say Buford. Chris doesn't want to take it. Yeah. The, the Rock is the Rock doesn't take rides. Yeah, he makes rides. That's right. Yeah. Mustache ride. No care. We are way off topic. Hehe. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like how all of a sudden you just became like 11 years old. <laughs> He's not a dirty boy. <laughs> Sheriff gives him a ride home anyways. He convinces him. And then we have, we meet the family. Mm-hmm. And one thing I'll say is it's a mixed race family. It is. And it, it's some really good casting. It is. Th- these people do look like they could have spawned yeah. the rock and the actress they have to play his sister. Mm-hmm. They they look like two mixed race people. And it, it look, and it, I, I think it actually works, so. I would agree with you on that. Also, her, her, uh, his nephew, her son, his mm-hmm. sister's son, is, is also looks as, as well the same way. Yeah, so. it's all good casting. All yeah, it, it really is well done. So I appreciate it. And the, the older actor, I was, I was like, yeah, I can imagine that guy. Like he could spawn the rock. I could see that. And then we have what we would call the Ludi character show up in Johnny Knoxville, and his name is Ray. Ray, Ray, pumpkin pay. I, I don't know. I got nothing for him. Ray is shows up. Really to kind of fill that same void as the Ludi character did and to fill the Obra vo- void. He's kind of a composite of those two characters. And because of that, he doesn't really have the fun of Ludi. No. And nor is he the same kind of companion that Obra is somehow, even though he has more screen time. But he does pretty good in this role. I like yeah, him in this role. Knoxville's fine. Yeah. But there's just not a whole lot really to the character which I think is kind of a downside to this film. He seems to have pretty good chemistry with The Rock. Uh, yeah, and that's something I feel isn't explored a lot because it's sort of, there's a lot of story before The Rock comes back to making him the deputy much later on in the film. Yeah. But in the earlier scenes, he's good. Next, we have a friendly game of football. Johnny Knoxville takes him over to the field where they used to play yeah, friendly so games he, of football. He's welcomed back into town by his old buddies. and mm-hmm. He's playing with Knoxville and some old buds, and Neil McDonough comes around. And he's Jay Hamilton. He's Jay Hamilton, or Irish M. Bison, if you will. Yeah. Everything here belongs to Shadowlaw. I'll never forget his interpretation of that character. And you can look that up in episode 22. Good job. I just guessed. Who knows? Well, it's it's out there. Yeah. Don't listen to the Reanimator episode. You can listen to anyone except that one. So, yeah, he shows up, and they all play football together. And they have a tough, competitive game, even though The Rock is significantly taller and more athletic than anyone else on the field. So while they're out there, they go to the end of the game. And at the end of the game, Neil McDonough decides like, hey, guys, guess what? I'm the bad guy of this movie. So Chris has a bad knee. Hit him in that knee to take him out. Make this hurt bad. So he signals us big time that this is the way the movie's going to go. And 
on the next play, they come out there, they take out his knee, and they end up losing the game because of that. Mm -hmm. So the movie doesn't have a lot of subtlety, but there's nothing wrong with that. I love Kojima games. That guy hates subtlety. So we, we they lose the game, they move on from here. But we've kind of established like the roles of the movie, and they set up the fact they need to go to the casino. Yeah, um, Jay invites him to the casino, even though they lost. Yeah. But he's like, "Here, me and you used to be buddies, so come to the casino." They head to the Wild Cherry Casino, owned by Jay Hamilton. I was about to ask you if you if you knew the name of the casino. Mm -hmm. I wrote it down, thankfully. Jay welcomes them in and basically is like. You, I want you to be in VIP. Drinks are on me. Have yourself a good old time. So they earn VIP and they start doing some drinks. And his buddies buy him a peep show. Yeah. What the hell kind of casino has a peep show? Yeah. So this casino is wildly constructed because not only are they a casino and they serve drinks and everything like that and have all the games. There's you girls imagine. everywhere. But yeah, there's just like cage you know, girls dancing in cage, which I guess I've seen before. But upstairs, there's like a peep show. Like, it's implied it's like a strip club as well, right? Mm -hmm. So that's really weird. Yeah. I, I, listen, I don't know what where the, what state are they supposed to be in, does it say? Is it just generic north Northwest? Yeah, I can't remember where it was that they said this was set. Yeah, because the original it's story takes place in Tennessee, and obviously that's not where this was shot, so it doesn't really matter. But you can, I just don't know what the zoning laws will be where they would allow that. But maybe that's where I need to go. While he's watching the peep show, he recognizes the dancer. Yes, they recognize e each other. Yeah, he, she recognizes his voice. And she's like, oh shit, it's Chris. Yeah. And then she runs out. And then we get this scene where Chris recognizes that the crap stealer is cheating. Yeah, we get the same thing. And it's the dude from Battlestar Galactica, by the way. I yeah. I remember that. And he's, he's been in other stuff, but that's the one thing I always know him from. He was one of the, the Cylons. Sorry if, you, if I spoiled a 15, 20-year-old show. But... He is busted in the same way. The scene's a little bit more intricate this time. Mm -hmm. And he's Chris is more able to prove that the dice are loaded. Like he throws down sevens like what, four or five times in a yeah. row. So that I liked. I thought that was interesting. But security jumps him with a much less sort of reason this time. And it starts a, a big ass fight. And Chris gets knocked out. Yeah, Chris gets knocked out and uh, does mean a similar fate. He's he's cut up as well. Yeah, the one of the, the security guards... Basically cuts him up with a box cutter and steals his Navy SEAL medallion or Special Forces medallion or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. A real low move. He takes that off of him. And they do the same thing, leave him to die on the side of a bridge. And a trucker finds him. Yeah, that's, it's a little more truncated. Same sort of stuff. Yeah, but it's the same idea. He's able to be found, taken to the hospital this time. So you don't go to your house anymore. You go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And he's stitched up. But he's, he's torn up pretty bad, even for The Rock. And then The Rock comes home from... The hospital, and yeah, we have no. no. No, he doesn't have a baby. And then we have a montage of Johnny Knoxville and The Rock on the couch, and they're just like we have a montage of them hanging out, and Johnny Knoxville's laughing, and uh, Chris can't laugh, yeah, because he's hurt still. Yeah. And, and, I, and I like that. That's, yeah. that's a nice touch that he's he's still in a lot of pain. And this is a nice scene to go to the to their bonding. I wish the movie took a little bit more time for some character beat. You know, at 80, some, some odd minutes, I think like a 95-minute movie with just a little bit more character moments could have made this narrative a little bit richer because that's the big problem. You know, you, you really only know the Rock's character, but you don't even know a whole lot about Chris. Yeah. You know, and you, you know a little bit more about Johnny Knoxville and, and his work. But, I mean, the villain's motivation is just to be the villain, as far as I can tell. Mm-hmm. Jake comes by. And he comes by to say thank you for catching the bad dealer. Yeah, he totally plays it off like, oh, dude, I had no idea about that. 
I had no idea. And he apologizes for his guys being overzealous. Yeah, you know, and then he's like, I want to offer you the the be the head of security. Like he tries to pay it off like like, he's like and give him money. Yeah. He just you know make this all go away. And then when Chris has too much pride for that, he flips it all around. He's like, Well, you know what? This could have been assault on your end. This could all go really bad for you. And really tries to throw trouble back in his face. Yeah, and the rock's like I'm gonna press charges. Yeah. So he goes to the police station and he tries to press charges. And he tells the sheriff that he won't stand for this bullshit. And the sheriff is like, well, I own this town, so I don't need you. I don't need you. So, yeah, this does lead now to what will be like the core problem in this movie as it was in the other one. Mm -hmm. Except we skip a big part of the the problem solving in this movie. But we it does inspire Chris to basically take his own brand of justice. Yeah. So what happens is from this point, his nephew... Who's a character we get introduced to a little bit. He's kind of an annoying kid, but still a nice kid nonetheless. He ends up taking what? Meth. Meth. He overdoses on meth. He overdoses on meth. And Chris is pissed. Yeah. He goes and he grabs the most natural weapon that he could think of. And that's fucking two by the four. two by four. Now, now that luckily here, as I said in the last movie, the rock is big enough to carry that weapon. Well, yeah, so it really works. You need a big guy rock six foot five. That works. Yeah. So he does a great job carrying around that. Even if he does kind of make a little bit more of a handle for it. Well, he takes that, Two by four, and he starts smashing things. Yeah, he goes in there and just kicks the shit out of everybody in that club. Yeah. Everybody in that casino works security gets the shit kicked out of him. He destroys some stuff and then throws the... He gets his medallion back. Yeah, he gets the medallion back from the, the sub bad guy who stole it from him. <laughs> the, the, the mini boss, if you will. And then he throws the two by four right through the window. Yeah, and that's where Jay is. And Jay's like, well, I guess we're not friends anymore. And so that ends that, and he leaves there and is arrested shortly thereafter. Yeah, he's immediately arrested. Now, he, he's taken to trial here, and, and the truncated version of this trial doesn't work all that well. Like, it's almost too too truncated, right? Yeah, like, a bunch of people start testifying against him, and the lawyer that's supposed to be representing The Rock is, like, not doing anything. Yeah, yeah. Like, the movie's trying to do a lot in this scene, and it doesn't really come together. And then, similarly, the first movie, The Rock goes up to testify Without the, using his Yeah, he's attorney. like, I'm going to represent myself. And he just sort of talks from the hip that is stuff that should have been thrown out and listened to anyway. And then he just rips his shirt open and promises, like, listen, if you acquit me of this, I'll run for sheriff and clean up this town. And the jury's like, yeah, sure, I guess. <laughs> and then we get the line, people used to walk tall in this town. Yeah, that's our reference to it here. So, uh, like I said, this scene doesn't work anywhere near as well as the scene in the original movie. I, we didn't even talk about the trial scene in, in the original movie. Mm-mm. We went, we really went right past it, but you know it's he still shows him a scar. Yeah, I mean the the makeup obviously is better here, but that original scene just works a lot better. It takes a lot more time to play through and everything like that. It feels more like a real trial than than what this is, which is really strange. Mm-hmm. You know, I, there's a lot of things they cut out of this movie, and like I said, the runtime. I can only imagine what a director's cut might have been like. You know, because I can't imagine they made this movie with. Only to make it 85 minutes. Yeah. You know, I'd assume there's a little bit more. And the scene really feels like there's something else there. But, you know, to his detriment, like I said, it, it really doesn't hit and it feels, like I said, way too rushed. Well, he tells the jury that he's going to run for sheriff and clean up the town. And he shows the jury his scars and the jury finds him not guilty, which the judge should have been like, you know, throw, throw this out and all throw that. Throw it out. out. Just go with the men in black and hit him with a neuralizer. Forget <laughs> what you just saw. Well, he wins sheriff, and he fires all the deputies. Now, let me just say, he spawn, respawns in as the sheriff, right? Yeah. Like, the next There's scene, no, he's like, he has won the election. There's none no of that No campaigning, no, nothing. It's just him as sheriff. 
And the movie doesn't have time for any of that. Mm-hmm. He sees the old sheriff. The sheriff vouches for all of his men. And of course, uh, the rock fires them all mm-hmm. and walks into his completely understaffed area and now has left an entire community unprotected without any sheriffs or deputies. Yeah. He goes out and hires a dangerous and unstable ex-con to go and untrained as well to be his next deputy. Yeah. They should immediately impeach the rock. He goes on to, he basically pulls over Jay and Jay threatens him. He's basically like, I, I don't care that you're sheriff now. Yeah. Yeah. But because I still run this town. And then he ends up smashing his taillight out of petty spite. Yeah. <laughs> and he asks Ray to be his deputy. He does ask Ray to be. This is where I talk about. He made this ex-con untrained a uh, deputy now. So that's unfortunate. But hey, it's whatever. And, and he does break them. private property of a, of a citizen who was not breaking the law at the time. He is. This Chris is corrupt, for lack of a better yeah. term, to try to solve Pusser and the other one broke the law to try to get to one end goal to try to get the clean up the town, get those people yeah. out, you know, or in jail. Chris is just using his powers to make his life hell for the people he doesn't like. like and that's way different in this movie. Yeah. And it makes him way less likable. In the first movie, you had a reason. Buford had a motivation to do what he did. All his actions meant something. In this movie, we don't much necessarily get that. We get a very superficial reason for him to do follow through his actions. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that hurts this movie. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it absolutely does. And it, it, it you know, he doesn't really have a motivation. Yeah, I mean, he's just like, I want vengeance for my attack. And then, yeah. like, and, and even then in the other movie, like, there's a nice scene right at the end. We talked about it. He wants the money for the value of what he lost, right? His car that they, that they took and destroyed mm-hmm. and the, the bet that was bad. He had a legitimate reason to go in there and get what he was owed. Chris just goes in there to kick ass. Yeah. He's literally taking vigilante justice in his own hands. Chris should have been sent to jail. Yeah. Yeah. The, Pusser at least had a reason to go in there. They owed him money. He could prove it. And th- he did in court. You know, this one doesn't. So that this is, and I know this is a weird thing to sort of complain about in this sort of light and forgettable action movie, but it's a real concern. It changes the character up completely. And I thought about this, especially with this next scene where they take apart that main security guy. They take glee in destroying. Now he's the mini boss, but they take glee in destroying his vehicle right in front of him. Right in front of him. Yeah. Which is mildly amusing for a minute. And they play a knockoff of a ZZ top song while they do it. Yeah. They take it completely apart and find no drugs. Yeah. Find nothing because nothing to find. And they put him in jail. Yeah. They falsely accuse this man and mm-hmm. they're holding him without cause. Yeah. Reason. Overnight. Hopefully they he's not, he has not been allowed to contact his attorney. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just stating everything that he's done wrong. This guy's corrupt as fuck and I hate him. Yeah. I mean, the bad guy sucks too, but at least he's providing jobs. Yeah. Sure. They're drug dealers, but Hey, listen, you got to move the economy along. We need job creators. According to Pedro, we need more meth. I'm, I'm trying to put the other sheriff back in charge. Sure. He was corrupt, but he kept the money flowing, baby. Okay. And we'll talk about it when we get to the ending, too, because I hate the ending. But let's go. Then we have a scene where Chris goes to warn his family to get prepped. And he's talking to his dad. And he wants his dad to take the gun that he has to protect the family. And his dad's like, no, I'm too stubborn. I wonder if that'll come into play later on. Yeah. No, it doesn't. But no, it... um, So, Chris... They have this moment. Yeah. And I, I do like what the movie is trying to achieve there, like trying to have some emotional closeness, but the, that moment just kind of clanks. Yeah. And it, it's sort of the core problem with this movie. Like they just sort of shove in a little bit of character development as we're rolling towards the finale of the movie, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really work. 
but it does set things up, I suppose. Well, he sends Ray over to protect the house with a gun. Yeah. Then we have our sex scene. Yeah. Denny comes to the station. Yeah, D- Denny comes there. You have and to force in a sex scene. There's some awkward flirting and there's a PG-13 sex scene. This movie's PG-13. Very PG-13. Yeah. Other movie, R. Big time R. This movie, PG-13. Toothless. So they end up having PG-13 sex, which isn't much. Mm-hmm. And so this leaves her hanging out in a bra, basically, for like the next big action scene. Of course. Yeah, she's little with her t- with like with almost her see t- me t- rolling my eyes. Yeah. I told you that because there's a shot later on where she's shooting a gun in her bra. I was like, that was in every trailer for this movie, that one shot. Meanwhile, we're back at Chris's house, family house. Yeah. And Ray is basically fighting for his life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, they're ambushed there. And so he has to fight off these people that come in and try to protect Chris's family. Yeah. And, you know, th- th- this scene is, is not well done. The, the, the car- choreography is a little, well, I mean, it's really it's a little sloppy. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just, there's some more sort of rolling around than like a fight. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really come together well, especially like later on when the dad comes down. Yeah, Knoxville gets shot in the leg. And so he's kind of hobbling throughout most of the movie as well. Yeah. Or the most of the scenes. Yeah, like this, oddly enough, I prefer the fight scene in the original film than I do with this one. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like, kind of some bad shaky camera, Leon, that doesn't really work. You know, it just, Especially here in these late sequences, you can tell like these were, uh, they probably didn't have the same like stunt choreographer for that day. Uh They probably just threw some choreography together and it looks it. Yeah. Chris finds out Jay's meth operation is the old, in the old lumber mill that they shut down. Yeah. Makes sense. That's where I put mine. Right. Yeah. Last place you look. And then Jay sees Chris and they start fighting. Yeah. So we get the conclusion to our movie, which is a big old brawl between Chris and Jay. we, We skipped the dad coming down to shoot. Oh, save. yeah. Yeah. So the dad finally does wield the shotgun and he saves Knoxville's character. Yeah. Sorry, I missed that in my notes. Yeah, I know. It's okay. Yeah. So there, there was a payoff to, to that moment. And uh, we did also skip past the police station action scene. Now, the police station, by the way, is like a double wide, isn't it? Mm-hmm. The old sheriff comes by and just decides to like start shooting with those automatic weapons. Yeah. And another really confusing action sequence as well. And, and it basically involves the rock rolling around under the trailer, right? Yeah. That entire time just did, 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 like rolling around. And I just wanted to mention, like, that was another really poorly done scene. And also the sheriff went from being someone who was kind of corrupt to a straight up fucking murderer in mm-hmm. like this entire sequence. It's okay. He ends up getting killed, but it's still just something I wanted to mention for the wild ju- lumps, lumps, for the wild jumps of logic in this flick. Then, like I said, we have our final finale. Finale? Yeah, we are at the fight scene between our our two characters. We're supposed to believe that Neil McDonough can fight The Rock. Well, he has an axe. I guess that does help. Yeah. Even though I think if I had an axe, I don't know how much it would, how good, how much good it would do me against The Rock. Well, he's fighting him, and Rock's getting the upper hand, and basically, The Rock or Chris, he prevails over Jay and arrests him. And that's the end of our movie. Yeah, pretty much. They uh, they have a, a huge fall somewhere down the middle of the lumber yard, right? Mm-hmm. Like they fall like what, like 40, 50 feet? And they just like shrug it off and roll down this ramp. Yeah. And I was like, so it's that kind of movie, huh? Where nothing matters? But yeah, that, that's yeah, it. Yeah, because you would lose your, you'd get the no- breath knocked out of you. Well, I mean, you'd break something probably. Some ribs or your back or something. Something. But yeah, so I mean, that, that's pretty much it. The movie comes to an end. But the thing I hate about the ending is once this is all wrapped up, we see that the lumber mill is back open. Like Main Street has all the old shops again. I was like, are you telling me he destroyed all the jobs in that casino and the economy, the old economy came flooding back? I was like, that's not how anything works. 
I was like, what a lousy, sappy, happy ending to throw on this thing. When in reality, The Rock probably destroyed that town economically due to his own personal grudge. They got rid of the casino, but they reopened the lumberyard, so at least they had that. Yeah, but how do they reopen the lumberyard? With gumption? With gum- Yeah, you need money to do that. You need they, anybody who wants lumber is getting it from somewhere else now. Yeah, because Jay Hamilton owned the town. Yeah, that's what I'm and saying. He's like, the bad guy. Yeah, I mean, just, just because you defeat him in Mortal Kombat doesn't mean you own his properties. Whoever next in line does, and they do whatever the hell they want with it. Yeah, I guess you got me there. Yeah, no, it's just one of those things I really despised about that, Andy. Thank you for your comment. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I guess what you think about it makes a lot of sense. Oh, well. Barda. All right, so we got any facts about this movie? Yeah, I got a few facts. Do you? Just a few. Yeah. Yeah, one or two. At the beginning where Chris asked the sheriff what happened to the former sheriff, it said that he was a great man, but he had skidded off a deserted road and died hitting a tree. This is in reference to how the real Buford Pusser died. Yeah. He died in his 1974 Red Corvette. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. He hit a tree. Oh, okay. That's what I just said. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know. I know you're not paying attention. I, I'm giving you juicy facts. I, I, I hear you now. You just told me, and now I know. Mm. The fact is that he, he used a stick to distribute justice, and he was killed by a large stick. True. Oh, justice? No, because apparently he didn't use a stick. Apparently not. Dwayne Johnson's stunt double in the movie was his cousin Tenoy Reed. Tenoy Reed. Tenoy Reed. Mm -hmm. I don't know who that is. Pretty good stunt double because I didn't notice. Me neither. This is the debut movie of Kobe Smulders. Oh, yeah. She is in this, right? Mm -hmm. She's the, what's it called? She's the chick in the car with Jay. Yeah. Yeah. It's her moment. Moment to shine. Yeah. And she would, obviously, she's known from the MCU and How I Met Your Mother. Last big fact i have yeah lay it on me when chris pulls jay hamilton over and tells him to get the taillights on his porsche fix the rock wasn't supposed to actually strike the taillight and break it he was only supposed to mind breaking it and they were going to fix it when post after doing the scene the rock remembered that the porsche was actually a rental car that had been rented for the day he called to the director uh kevin did we just buy this ninety thousand dollar porsche director kevin bray replied through his megaphone Yes, thanks, Rock. <laughs> yeah, those sorts of things can happen. You just sort of get into a scene and you accidentally break something. The real famous one is uh, Kurt Russell in Hateful Eight. They had like a priceless mandolin that one of the characters plays in that movie. And he actually ended up smashing the priceless mandolin instead of the, the mock-up version because he had yeah. no idea. You okay? Don't die on me. I know it's sad, but we'll make oh, it through. I choked. Yeah, a little choked up there. Okay. Yeah, I'll there. make it. Okay, so now all we have reviews. Reviews. 1973, 75% on Rotten Tomatoes, 6.9 out of 10 on IMDb. 2004, 26% on Rotten Tomatoes, 4.0 user review, 6.3 on IMDb. And I chose for you for the 1973 movie because we enjoyed it so much. I chose a one-star review. And the reviews this week are zany as fuck. All right, let's get to it. I'm excited. This review is called All But Forgotten. In quick response to the IMDb polls on the worst movie and why, I returned to a mantra I employed in 1973 to demonstrate my extreme aversion to this awful but apt example of manipulative cinema. I had been almost literally dragged to see it by a date from whom I later and one moment too soon disengaged myself permanently. I can honestly say my apprehension based on having read the advance publicly was not only justified but exceeded tenfold. 
I still shudder to think of it. Now that I have read over the few but truly excellent and informative comments posted here, I am confirmed in every particular amount why I detested this movie and everything it portrayed in American life. I co- coincided with this beginning of a sword and bottom period in the social and intellectual history of the United States from which the nation has yet to recover. Irony, always in short supply in any case, died at the relentless bludgeoning of the audience all too happy to be so dealt with. Now, that you've heard all that gumble gobbledygook. Gumble gobbledygook. Was that a positive review? Yeah, I can't tell if he did like it at the end of the day. He gave it a one star. I don't know. Maybe he got confused. There wasn't a whole lot of reviews for the 1973 movie. That's fair. So this was one of the only one star reviews I could find. This movie's a little forgotten because, you know, you'd look this up and you'd probably find the other movie. And when you look up a review for that, you know, you'd see it's not very good, so you just wouldn't watch Walking Tall. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's just how it goes. But it's somebody who's older, because they'd seen the 1973 version when it came out. Mm. So. All right. And then for the 2004 version, I have a 10-star review, because it's not rated very high. I was surprised how low it's rated as a matter 26%, of fact. Yeah, yeah. Very low. That's, very low. Because I actually like this movie. I just, do I like the original better? Maybe a little bit more. I mean, I certainly like the original a lot better than this one. Yeah. But I still enjoy this movie. I love this review, by the way. You're going to love it. This review is called Cliché, but enjoyable. Okay. I'm not gay. Listen, I'm not gay, but sperm is tasty. (laughs) But at least I don't think I am. But damn, I really appreciated The Rock's body. I work out a lot at the gym, and I think I know a good male body when I see one. I would sell my soul to Satan if I could have a body like The Rock's. Is that steroids or genetics? Damn, awesome. Well, anyway... He obviously is the current Arnold Schwarzenegger. Does this review end with him ejaculating the rock? (laughs) He has the box office draw that Arnold had in the 80s and early 90s when he ruled. He truly is the next action hero. I actually enjoyed this movie. I know it was lame, but the rock's charismatic badass attitude made this movie great. I love the way he stared at other characters unflinchingly and without fear. His character in this movie is how I would be in real life. A person that stands up to his convictions. This guy shows absolutely no fear. And I would love to have a personality like that. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed this movie solely because of The Rock's presence. Like I said, I realized this movie was lame. But who cares about the writing and the plot? I enjoyed it because of The Rock. This theme was done a million times before. The story is about a crazy vigilante out for justice. I can enjoy the cliche of this theme based on the actor being the crazy vigilante. He was a Mad Max type character, which I love. Wow. Is there not one more word? By the way, I'm coming looking at The Rock. Is yeah. Not the final words of the review. Dude. Yeah. Like that guy was like, listen, I'm not gay or anything, but God, I love The Rock's body. Thirsty for <laughs> Thirsty. <laughs> I think you're gay, man. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, I want that body inside me. No. Yeah, you wanted a little bit of the... Yeah, he, he, went, he went a little wild on that one. A little bit of the hot dog. Yeah, anytime you had to say, like, I'm not trying to sound gay or anything. It means you're about to say some gay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I knew you would love that. Yeah. He's like, listen, I, I don't want to say I'm gay or anything, but man, you know, sometimes you just got to suck a dick. You know what I'm saying, right? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, what, what, what an amazing note to end our show on. Uh, Meredith, uh, what are your socials? I don't have any. 
Oh, that's right. Walking Tall came out in 2004. And Roger Ebert was still very much alive and reviewing movies in the year of our Lord 2000. He didn't review the original? I mean, he might have, but I, I couldn't find a review for it. So, but he did review Walking Tall, uh, the rock version. Do you think he liked it? No. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. That's a good guess. He gave it two stars, actually. So, you are correct. He, he was not a big fan of the movie. And if I remember correctly, I think Roper also gave it a thumbs down as well. But I wasn't able to find the, the clip online from the actual show. But I do have the review. Ebert says, I didn't see the original Walking Tall. I was out of town at the time. I explained in my review of Part 2, Walking Tall. Sounds reasonable. But I suspect the earlier film was titled more toward populism and less toward superhero violence in the new Walking Tall, which is dedicated to the memory of Buford Pusser but turns the story into a cartoon of retribution and revenge. The rock stars is a war hero named Chris Vaughn, who returns to his southern hometown and finds the mill is closed, a casino has opened, and the kids are all addicted to drugs. His character is named Chris Vaughn and not Buford Pusser, possibly because the rock, having gone to a great deal of trouble to adopt a name both simple and authoritative, could not envision himself being called Buford or Sheriff Pusser for any amount of money. He finds that an old high school nemesis named Jay Hamilton Jr., Neil McDonough, has closed the mill, opened the casino, and manufactures the drugs. We know Jay is the villain because he has that close-cropped, curly, peroxide hairstyle that works like a name tag that says, Hi, I'm the villain! Outraged by the corruption that has descended upon his town, Vaughn picks up his famous Buford Pusser model oak club, smashes up the casino, defends himself in court, and makes such an impassioned speech that he has soon been elected sheriff. I love those movie trials in which cases are settled not according to guilt and innocence on the law, but according to who is really right and deserves to go free. Sheriff Vaughn hires an old high school pal named Ray Templeton to be his deputy. The role is played by Johnny Knoxville, famous for Jackass, who is in fact completely convincing and probably has a legitimate movie career ahead of him and doesn't have to stuff his underpants with dead chickens and hang upside down over alligator ponds anymore. The scenes establishing all the events are handled efficiently and have a certain interest, but then the movie, alas, goes on autopilot with a series of improbable fight scenes that are so heavy on stunts and special effects that we might as well be watching a cartoon. This is an action movie, pure and simple. And one can only wonder what the late Buford Pusser would have made of it. Maybe he would have advised Sheriff Vaughn that times have changed and he should forget the Oak Clubs and get himself an AK-47. The Rock comes out of the movie more or less intact career-wise. I felt from the beginning he had the makings of a movie star, and I still think so. He has the kind of inner quiet that allows him to inhabit preposterous scenes without being overwhelmed by them. His acting style is flat and uninflected, authoritative without pushing it. He's a little like John Wayne in that way. Also like Wayne... He's a big, physically intimidating man who is able to suggest a certain gentleness. He's not inflamed, not looking for a fight, not shoving people around, but simply trying to right wrongs. I seriously doubt he could play a convincing villain, not even with a name tag. Two stars for that. So Ebert wasn't crazy. No, he was not he was crazy. crazy about it, yeah. But he was insane. Was he? Yes. Mm. Okay, so those were two movies we didn't hate. One we enjoyed more than the other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think I ended up sort of disliking the the the. I ended up sort of disliking the reboot. I think but. you did because we saw such a surprising movie the, from the first movie. Yeah, and I felt how generic it is. You know what a pet peeve. You're kind of comparing that. it to the the original. Yeah, and in comparing it to the original, it, it, it is very much an inferior film. So yeah, you, I only recommend one this week. I really don't recommend the rock version. 
I say it's not a bad movie if you want to just put on something and you want to enjoy an afternoon of uh, The Rock. I, I think it's harmless. Smashing things with a piece of wood. Yeah, I think it's harmless. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the best I could say for it. I didn't care for it. Like I said, just watch the original is, is my review and opinion. But if you think we're wrong about that and you want to let us know and you would like to hit us over the head with a large piece of wood, you can tell us that and express that thought uh, via email at grittyrebootcast at gmail.com. That's the most 90s way to get a hold of us. But you can also do that uh, via Gritty Reboot at Instagram and at TikTok as well, which is a much easier way to get a hold of us. Because, mm-hmm. you know, nobody checks the email. Yeah, and I, I eventually will find a better, maybe we'll start the Threads account. Yeah, yeah, we're going to go to Threads, baby. Yeah! yeah. You don't even have an Instagram account. You can't go to Threads. I, I have to have Instagram to yeah, get Threads? Yeah, they're, they're linked. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, they're linked. Sorry. It's just the way it is, lady. I don't make the rules. Okay. Yeah. I'll think about, uh, I, I just don't like social media, but I'll think about getting something. Fine. All right. Well, yeah, hey. you, you do that. I'll go cradle my church's records and cry. I'm sorry. I know. I'm broken up about it. All right. And uh, that's the show for this week. Wow. I can't believe it went an hour and 40 minutes about walking tall. Wow. Yeah. I did not see that coming. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks Bye, for listening, guys. guys. See ya. <laughs>